With a traditional melody from Singapore, we welcome you to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 641 for release on Sunday, June 6, 2021. On the program today, Radio Malaya Singapore in two different countries, Australian shortwave call sign VLV, and our Japan DX report. And we begin with Radio Malaya Singapore in two different countries. Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles begins with the Singapore station. Thanks, Jeff. By the end of January 1942, Japanese armed forces had scrambled down through the thick jungles and the multitude of rubber plantations on the Malay Peninsula until they finally reached Johor Bahru, facing Singapore Island. They then began sporadic attempts at bombarding the island and at crossing the waterway that separated the Malay mainland from Singapore Island itself. At that time, the radio station operated by the Malay Broadcasting Corporation, MBC, in Singapore, was still on the air with a somewhat unplanned mixture of regular and emergency programming in a conglomeration of several languages, English, Malay, Chinese, Hindustani, Arabic, French or Dutch, whatever was needed and whoever was available. There was a strong emphasis on lively contemporary music in the English language. So we asked the question, on Sunday, February 1st, 1942, just before the concerted Japanese attack on Singapore Island, what were the locations and what was the radio equipment available for use by the Malay Broadcasting Corporation? Historical research provides the answers. The main production and on-air studios for NBC were located in the Cathay building at 2 Handy Road in Singapore City, with a landline program feed to the transmitters which were located five miles out, beyond the edge of the city. In one of the offices was a large batch of their now famous colourful blank QSL cards that feature a sunset in Malaya. These cards had been printed in Singapore in December 1938. Subsidiary production and on-air studios were available at the extended NBC radio station at Caldicott Hill, together with a tall 200-foot medium-wave self-supporting tower. From this tower radiated the programming of the 2-kilowatt medium-wave transmitter ZHL on 225 metres, 1333 kHz. There were four shortwave transmitters at 500 watts each, operating often as pairs under the call signs ZHP and ZHN, and also a lone 100 watt shortwave transmitter that operated on air under the call sign ZHO. An additional transmitter station was located at Jurong, a dozen miles out from the city studios, and quite near the famous Jurong Bird Park. The Jurong shortwave transmitter station was largely just an empty building, though the planned antenna systems were already installed. On Sunday evening, February 8th, 1942, the Japanese invasion of Singapore Island began in earnest, with thousands of personnel clambering in via the damaged wooden causeway bridge and by small boats and every conceivable form of floating object. 
Even while the fighting was in full force nearby, the staff at MBC Singapore were engaged busily destroying as much of the old, though valuable, electronic equipment as possible. Wednesday, February 11, 1945, was the final fatal day for MBC Radio Malaya, Singapore. The station was on the air all morning, and around midday the final closing announcement was made by a foreign engineer, probably an Englishman. He and his Asian colleague then attacked and destroyed the last remaining transmitter. Radio Malaya Singapore, MBC, was gone. Finished. By this time, the vast majority of the more than 300 staff personnel had all disappeared. They'd simply melted into the local fabric. Some of the overseas personnel chose to remain in Singapore, including the popular announcer Captain James Mudi, who'd served previously with the BBC in London. Some of the foreign staff then hurriedly fled Singapore in three small boats, hoping to escape to nearby Java and then onwards to anywhere out of Southeast Asia. In their hasty onward journey, one boat was beached and another was sunk through enemy action, both with heavy loss of life. The third small boat made it safely through, though precariously, to Batavia on the Indonesian island of Java. Back in those days, the now well-known city of Jakarta in Indonesia was identified under its old Dutch name, Batavia, and it was then, as now, the capital city of the Malay archipelago, the Dutch East Indies. On the local scene, the same indigenous language was spoken in both territories, though in the British Straits settlements the official administrative language was English, and in the Dutch East Indies the official administrative language was Dutch. During the month of January 1942, as the Japanese forces were scrambling down through the thick jungles and the multitude of rubber plantations on the Malay Peninsula towards the island of Singapore, the senior staff at the radio station NBC Singapore began to lay tentative plans for an alternative Radio Singapore. Heading up the planning for the possible implementation of a set of alternative strategies was an Englishman, Mr Alan Rose. On Sunday, February 1st, 1942, the Japanese armed forces were at the southern edge of the Malay Peninsula, poised for an invasion of Singapore Island itself. It was time to act. At 9am, some 40 key MBC radio personnel in Singapore received a message. Take what you can, personal items, and enough food for a week, and go. The senior staff personnel, led by Alan Rose, were announcers, senior engineers, radio monitors and news reporters. They boarded the first boat available, which happened to be a Dutch cattle boat. Moving quietly at night and sheltering hidden during the day, they arrived at Batavia, Jakarta, four days later, on the morning of Thursday, February 5th, 1942. These evacuated radio personnel were received kindly in Batavia and they were quickly granted living accommodations and part of a building for use as offices and an on-air studio as Radio Singapore. The first test broadcasts from Radio Malaya Batavia were transmitted from the Nairom high-powered shortwave station at Bandung, some 70 miles east of Batavia, on Monday evening, February 9th, 1942. The transmitter power in Bandung was rated at either 40 kilowatts or 60 kilowatts. 
The first historic broadcast consisted of news bulletins in English and Asian languages, and it was broadcast on a shortwave channel that was normally used by Radio Malaya in Singapore. Interestingly, Radio Malaya in Singapore picked up the live broadcast from their personnel at Batavia on Java Island, and they relayed the programming on another of their own regular shortwave channels. The next day, Tuesday, February 10th, 1942, the two shortwave stations, Radio Malaya in Singapore and Radio Malaya in Batavia, coordinated their activities, with the possibility that all programming from Radio Malaya Singapore would be transferred from Singapore to Batavia. And that is exactly what happened. For the next two and a half weeks, the Radio Malaya programming was assembled not in Singapore, but in Batavia on Java Island, and it was broadcast from Bandung. The outside world was not aware of this subtle change. In fact, even the BBC in London quoted news from this new and temporary Radio Malaya Batavia, attributing the news reports as from Singapore, not Batavia. A perusal of a dozen different series of shortwave magazines back then yields only one monitored logging of Radio Malaya during the two-and-a-half-week Batavia era. The Australian Radio and Hobbies magazine for April 1942, on page 56, states ZHP1, 9705 kHz, 30.9 m, Singapore Straits Settlements has been heard on a few occasions with English announcer just as before. So yes, it was indeed a logging of Radio Malaya on one of their regular shortwave channels, 9705 kHz. But no, that broadcast was not on the air from ZHP1 in Singapore. The Singapore station was absolutely dead, and the Japanese were in control of the island and what was left of the radio station. So yes, that programme was broadcast from the new and temporary Radio Malaya across the waterways in Batavia, Indonesia. And coming soon here in Wavescan, we'll present a somewhat similar radio event from another Southeast Asian shortwave station, not in the Malay territories, but rather in Saigon, Vietnam. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray. Now some news that Adrian Peterson has Forwarded to us from HCDX Sweden, Ronnie Forsland says that Jutta Johansson's QSL collection went for a record amount, 37,200 Swedish kroner, including commission. That's about 4,500 US dollars, which should be a world record for a QSL collection. The only question is how the buyer could be able to earn some money by cutting up the collection and selling it with such expenses. It is, of course, sad when Swedish DXers collected material disappears from the country in this way, but we must be happy for what has still been saved for posterity, says Ronnie. It's a sad fact that many QSL collections have been thrown away just because relatives didn't know what to do with them when the original owner passed away. As there seems to be a big interest in old QSLs and radio memorabilia, a domain has been registered for the purpose of publishing Swedish and Scandinavian DX material. Further information will follow as soon as the site is launched. Hopefully, says Ronnie, we can together save some of what is left of our DX heritage. Also from HCDX Sweden, the annual transmission on Alexanderson Day 
with the Alexanderson alternator on very low frequency 17.2 kilohertz with the call sign SAQ is scheduled for Sunday, July 4th, 2021. The Alexander Association is planning to carry out two broadcasts to the world from the old Alexanderson alternator SAQ with minimal staffing in place. Due to the ongoing pandemic, no visitors will be allowed to the transmitter hall during the transmissions, and there will be no visitor activities. But they will be uh, posting both transmissions live on their YouTube channel. The two transmissions are scheduled as follows. Startup and tuning at 0830 UTC, with the transmission of a message at 0900 UTC. And then startup and tuning at 1130 UTC, with the transmission of a message at 1200 UTC. That's on 17.2 kilohertz. By the way, if you're planning to visit the World Heritage Grimeton radio station, first see grimeton.org for visitors' information. The World Heritage site Grimeton radio station is a living cultural heritage. All transmissions with the long-wave transmitter SAQ are therefore preliminary and may be changed at short notice. Thanks to HCDX Sweden for that information. Some more news from Europe now, from the European DX Council via Richard Lemke and Wolfgang Buschel's Worldwide DX Club Top News. The 2021 EDXC conference has been postponed once again. Chrissy Brand, the EDXC Secretary General, says, sadly, we will need to postpone the EDXC conference that was due to take place in September 2021 in Bucharest, Romania. This is, of course, due to the continuing uncertainties around COVID-19 and the various restrictions that are in place in most countries. These make travel either impossible or more expensive than usual. Therefore, we are instead looking into options of rescheduling the next in-person EDXC conference to take place instead in May 2022. More details will be published when they become available. The EDXC conference is attended each year by many shortwave listeners and DXers from around Europe and other parts of the world. This year's meeting was scheduled to include a tour of Radio Romania International. This is Radio Romania International. And with that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15320 kHz and 17670 kHz. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye. Well, during the past seven years here in WaveScan, we've presented a lengthy series of topics on the Australian shortwave radio call signs in the alphabetic series running from VLA ultimately to VLZ. Currently, we're nearing the end of these 26 topics, and in our program today, 
We present the story of a consecutive call sign that is getting towards the end of this alphabetic series, VLV. Interestingly, as Ray Robinson tells us, there have been only two known usages of the Australian shortwave call sign, VLV. One, to identify a ship in the Registry of New Zealand, the other to identify an Australian communication station on the Antarctic mainland. The New Zealand ship with the call sign VLV was the SS Navour, which was built by the Dunlop shipbuilders in Glasgow, Scotland in 1910, specifically for service in the tropical Pacific. During World War I, the Navour served as a troop carrier, and its first assignment was to carry German citizens in Samoa who'd been caught up by the war from Samoa to New Zealand. Subsequently, this ship also carried New Zealand personnel to the scene of active combat in continental Europe. After a spate of peacetime service in the South Pacific after the end of the war, the Navour was sold to England in 1926, and six years later, in 1932, the British sold the ship to Egypt for scrap. The Australian National Antarctic Research Expedition, ANARE station, located at Mawson, is the oldest continuously inhabited exploration encampment on the Antarctic continent. This scientific exploration station was established on what is called the east coast of Antarctica 67 years ago, and its communication radio station, VLV, was officially inaugurated on February 13, 1954. The radio station was installed on the eastern side of Holm Bay, on a horseshoe-shaped outcrop of rock protruding above the snow and ice-covered terrain. The original shortwave transmitters were obtained from war surplus equipment left over from World War II. Radio station VLV Mawson was rebuilt at a nearby location nearly 10 years later, in 1963, with a new radio hut and new electronic equipment. The original radio hut was later declared a National Heritage Site in 1997. The new radio station contained two new AWA 5kW shortwave transmitters, model number CTH7, two Collins transmitters at 10kW each, and a 1kW Rediphon for local communication. A set of new antennas was installed, including diamond-shaped rhombics. The radio equipment at Mawson was upgraded and rebuilt again in the 1970s. Three years after the first rebuilding, in 1966, the Australian Post Office issued a set of postage stamps honouring the Australian bases in the Antarctic Islands and on the Antarctic mainland. One of these postage stamps, valued at 25 cents, shows an artistic rendering of a photograph of a radio operator at station VLV, listed as Mawson Base. Initially, VLV Mawson communicated with coastal station VIE at Esperance in Western Australia and direct with the ANARE station VNM in Hobart, Tasmania. All international communications have been on shortwave and have been in Morse code, single sideband speech and by fax. A few self-prepared QSL cards have been obtained over the years from station VLV at Mawson on Antarctica. Thank you very much, Ray. Now let's go to Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo with our Japan DX report. Hello and welcome to the DX report of the month from Japan Shortwave Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. 
Season People's Broadcasting Station from Lhasa, China, was heard on 7450 kilohertz on May 1st, from 1300 to 1330 UTC in Chinese. SIO rating was 353. News and talk program by a female announcer were aired. Commercial messages were given at 1305 and 1324. Then Chinese pop music was played. Voice of Indonesia from Palangkalaya was heard on 3325 kilohertz on May 3rd, from 1902 to 1930 UTC in Dutch. SIO rating was 353. News, commentary, and Indonesian pop music were on the air. NHK World Radio Japan via Davaya, UAE, was heard on 11830 kilohertz on May 3rd, from the sign-on at 1400 to the sign-off at 1430 UTC in English. SIO rating was 353. NHK Newsline was aired. Followed by Easy Japanese at 14.15. Radio Ergo via Davaya, UAE, was received on 17845 kHz on May 3rd from 1200 to 1220 UTC in Somali. SIO rating was 252. Opening music and ID were heard at 1200, followed by talk program with interview. Saudi Radio International from Saudi Arabia was heard on 13775 kHz on May 1st from 1430 to the sign off at 1454 UTC in Arabic. SIO rating was 444. Islamic sermons and short segments of music were broadcast. The station signed off with national anthem at 1454. Radio Romania International was heard on 15340 kHz on April 30th from 1439 to 1458 UTC in Romanian. SIO rating was 343. Talk program and Romanian songs were on the air. ID was given at 1449. Vatican Radio was heard on 11815 kHz on May 7th. From 1602 to the sign off at 1619 UTC in Armenian. SIO rating was 353. Talk program with him was aired. TWR Africa via Manzini, Eswatini, was heard on 6130 kHz on May 4th from 1915 to 1955 UTC in Portuguese. Preach and the gospel song were broadcast until 1935, then interval signal and another religious talk program followed after that. VOA via San Tome Principe was received on 7325 kHz on April 29th from 2045 to 2100 UTC in Hausa. SIO rating was 343. Talk program was broadcast. ID was given at 2100. WRMI from Okeechobee, USA was heard on 5850 kHz on May 2nd from 1030 to 1100 UTC in English. SIO rating was 343, then down to 332. 
WaveScan program, including Japan DX report, was aired. ID was given at 10.59. Finally, Japan Shortwave Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on our segment of WaveScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl at live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl at live.jp. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we'd like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Tetsuya Toriumi, Mr. Chiaki Shimada, Mr. Hiroyuki Akiba, and Mr. Sakae Onozawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. Thank you, Yukiko. I want to acknowledge a reception report here that we've received at WaveScan. Uh, this is from Matthew Lawson of Dandridge, Tennessee in the United States, who heard WaveScan at 0330 UTC on 4840 kHz. That's via WWCR in Nashville, Tennessee. And Matthew says, the reception to my location in eastern Tennessee was mostly clear, a strong signal, and an enjoyable broadcast. He uses a Texan PL990X. Heard the uh, program last week about the shortwave history of the Maldives and an interview with Marty Wool. says, I very much enjoyed the broadcast. I learned a lot about shortwave, and I hope to continue to learn more. I would like to hear more about the process of shortwave transmission and more about long-wave history as well, if possible. Well, thanks, Matthew. And if you continue to listen to WaveScan, you will certainly hear more about the process of shortwave transmission, and I'm sure that our editor, Adrian Peterson, will have more about long-wave history in future programs as well. Thanks very much for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the radio saga on two small islands south of New Zealand. And our Philippine DX report from Henry Umatai. We have several QSL cards available for WaveScan. Send your AWR and KSDA reception reports for this program to the AWR address in Thailand, and also to the station your radio is tuned to, WRMI or WWCR or KVOH or Voice of Hope Africa, or to IRRS Italy, or to the AWR relay stations that carry WaveScan. Remember, too, you can send a reception report to the DX reporters when their segment is on the air here in the program, such as today's report from Japan. They will also verify with their own colorful QSL card. Return postage and an address label are always appreciated. The email address for AWR QSLs is qsl at awr.org. 
The postal address for AWR QSL cards is Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, that's P-R-A-K-A-N-O-N-G, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. Again, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 234, Prakadong, Bangkok 10110, Thailand. The email address for other correspondence to WaveScan, besides reception reports, is wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at Shortwave Station WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida, in the United States. Till next week, good listening, everyone.